Haven't you learned anything from that guy who gives those sermons at church? Captain, what's his name? We live in a society of laws. Why do you think I took in all those police academy movies? For fun? Well, I didn't hear anybody laughing. Did you? 801 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Brothers, Sportsnet 650. That was a good segment. A lot of good feedback. I still remember seeing Police Academy 2 on a family vacation. I'm not even joking. You know those family vacations where it's like it's raining. This is unexpected. Let's go to <laughs> let's go to a movie. Um, I can still remember the movies that we went to see. Gather up the family to see Police Academy. Police Academy Two and A View to a Kill, which was one of the not so good James Bond movies. You know what one I I remember I, and I bawled my eyes out at the end of it was Rain Man. We watched it as a family, yeah. and, I, and I was too young to understand. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, right? I thought it was real life, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's so sad. The entire ending was so upsetting, but I actually, thought you were going to say Police Academy 5. <laughs> I actually originally- on, <laughs> Then on, we watched Police Academy 5, and everyone felt better. On the list, I originally had Charlie Babbitt. Yeah, like, but that's the thing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't remember the name of the character. No, that's a hard just, one. You yeah. just go Rain Man. That's right? why everyone I figured, I was like, about. this is too hard. Yeah. But some of the other ones, like I knew the movie, obviously. I didn't like I didn't know the name of the pilot in Airplane, but I know Airplane. I know many of the famous lines from it. Also playing that clip coming in made me realize that all those movies he mentioned, if I did have some sort of memory of them, it's because the Simpsons referenced them at some Yeah, yeah a few go. people texted it's the in only there. Yeah. Way I know. Someone texted in Eddie LeBeck, I haven't heard that name in thirty five years. Yeah, it's a good character. I'm uh, looking to uh, replace Don Taylor, by the way, and just in the sports market, just like certainly carving that niche for yourself. (laughs) All right, to the phone lines we go. We are joined now, as we are every week, a presentation of the West Coast Auto Group. It is Moj here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Moj? Here it is, Police Academy trivia for a thousand bucks. Okay, which Police Academy star sung the national anthem at the Super Bowl? Oh. I mean, it wouldn't have been. Wouldn't Someone have been, wouldn't have been in... Gutenberg. Was it the guy that made the sounds? <laughs> nope. Wait Sergeant Callahan. Sorry. Wait. What? Wait. Leslie Easterbrook, the blonde. Remember the, yeah. the voluptuous blonde in the movie? She, she sung, sung the, the national, national anthem, anthem at the Super Bowl. At a Super Bowl. Wasn't that Tackleberry's girlfriend? Yes. Yeah. Really? No. Which Super Bowl was that? Was that before Dude. the Super Bowls got popular? One of the lesser-known <laughs> Super Bowls. I'm pretty sure. Google it. You could, like, I'm not by a computer right now. I'm in a hotel lounge. But um, Google it. You'll find. I think it was like maybe like, I don't know, 22, 23, something like that. Who knows? Okay, Bruff's going to look that up right now. I'm going to uh, bide time for him by talking and asking about Nathan Rourke. We spent a lot of time talking about this over the course of the week. Uh, Rourke is on his way down south to work out for a few NFL teams. He actually doesn't know which ones they are. At least that's what he's saying publicly. Uh, It's been reported that two-thirds of the NFL teams have expressed an interest in Nathan Moj. Given that you watched him all year, was this really just an inevitability that uh, as soon as the season was over, he was going to go try his hand at the very least to see what's out there in terms of NFL interest? Yeah, I mean, all the power to him, right? I mean, as an athlete, you always want to prove yourself against the best. And I think Nathan or any athlete in this league would want a shot in the National Football League. And, you know, it's funny, the, the people that you talk around here, a lot of people think that he can get it done in the NFL. But the big question, and this is my big concern, is does he get 
a legitimate opportunity. We talked to him a couple times this week. We talked to him, and, and you know, you heard the quote, I don't want to go down there just to get a T-shirt. Yeah. He wants to have a legitimate chance to learn an offense and become part of an offense. I'm not saying he has to go down there as a number one, but if he's a number two who has perhaps a road moving forward to be a number one and to compete for a number one spot, I think he'll take it. But, again, the, the big thing there, guys, is you need somebody to believe in you, somebody to be in your corner. Like Bill Walsh was in Jeff Garcia's corner. Like Hugh Campbell was in Warren Moon's corner. I mean, you can go on and on, right? But you need that guy, and maybe there's somebody out there in the National Football League that really believes in Nathan Ork and will give him that opportunity. Um, let's talk about his performance in Winnipeg, uh, I was surprised by his start, how off he seemed in that. What do you think happened there? A lot of people suggested maybe the weather took him by surprise. Maybe it was nerves. Maybe he isn't 100% healthy. Of course, you do have to give credit to a Winnipeg side that's really good on both sides of the ball. But um, what did you make of his performance in, in the Western Final? Well, I mean – from an X's and O's schematic standpoint, yeah, Winnipeg probably did a few different things, but he's seen teams do different things all year long. The one thing that he talked about was the fact that he was just mechanically off. Um, and with the mechanics that Rourke utilizes with Rob Williams, it's more of a upper body throwing motion. You don't use your lower body as much as, say, as in a traditional throwing motion. And one of the issues with that is when you're off, you'll sail the football. And that's what he talked, you know, that's what happened. It's funny, we talked to Nathan yesterday, we interviewed him for our coverage here at bclines.com and julio asked me said have you watched the film yet he goes no he goes i haven't watched the film yet he goes i will eventually (laughs) and you know he'll try to learn from it but he hasn't even watched that film yet he's just kind of brushed it aside and moved forward so um i think you know when you look at that final uh, i just think it was a combination of factors it could have been a win it could have been the foot injury was his mechanic i don't think it was just one specific thing um what are the Lions thinking right now behind the scenes? I mean, in some ways they have to handicap the chances of Nathan Rourke making it down south, whatever making it looks like. Um, they have to handicap the chances of whether or not they're going to have to go out and find a quarterback because I think with all due respect to Vernon Adams, that's not going to excite the market if they come back next season and say Vernon Adams is our quarterback. Um, what are some of the backup plans that they've got right now? Well, first off, Nathan is telling everyone that he's going to try to get this process done as quickly as possible to let the Lions know where they stand. He doesn't want this to drag on for you know weeks or a couple of months to the point where the Lions are kind of left in limbo. He wants to figure this thing out and figure it out quickly. And he talked about you know having respect for the Lions organization, but you know it's interesting because yeah, you're not going to be able to whoever you bring in. I don't know if you can sell them like you could sell Nathan Rourke. So. Uh, you ask yourself, well, who do they have? I mean, Vernon Adams, I think they'd be comfortable going into the season with Vernon Adams. And here's a couple of nuggets for you in terms of Vernon Adams. One, when he replaced Nathan Rourke, he replaced Nathan Rourke in an offense where there was a lot of progression, a lot of reads. Nathan, you know, has that great ability to go through his his progression, look at the one receiver, look at the two receiver, look at the three receiver, and that's a, a great skill that he has. Vernon Adams doesn't necessarily have that skill, and you're kind of putting a square peg in a round hole when he took over as quarterback. Now, if Vernon Adams is your quarterback going into the season and you know that, you could probably wind up adjusting that offense to the point where, you know, it's more of a quicker read for Vernon Adams. So um, I think if Vernon Adams is the quarterback, they'll make the adjustments to the offense to – 
you know, accommodate his skill set. But I think the big thing, too, is I think they'd be perfectly comfortable going into a season with Vernon Adams. Yeah, he's not Nathan Rourke, but I don't think like they go into a season, you know, really wanting to find a number one starter if they already have Vernon Adams under contract. Uh, we have an update on the Moj Police Academy trivia front. Uh, you're absolutely right. Leslie Easterbrook, who's now 73 years old, sang the national anthem at Super Bowl 17. I think that was the one with that Washington one, maybe over over Dan Marino. That is correct. The Skins uh, beat the Dolphins. Right. Uh, 1982. Strike shortened season. And it landed her starring roles in musicals on Broadway and throughout the country. She <laughs> she then recorded a song for the soundtrack soundtrack of Police Academy Mission to Moscow, which was one of my favorite yeah. Police Academies. So <laughs> that's <laughs> where better to take the hijinks than Russia. Uh, okay, Moj One is a presentation of the West Coast Auto Group. Uh, great service, great selection just over the bridge in Maple Ridge. Two, I have a question to ask you, which doesn't have anything to do with Nathan Rourke or the BC Lions, but stays in the CFL. Is Zach Claros going to play on Sunday? You know, that's the, one of the bigger storylines, and it's gaining a lot of steam as the yeah. week progresses because he hasn't practiced. No, not right? at all. I mean, they're saying, Mike O'Shea's saying that he's going to play, but you know, fellas, even if he, he does start, you know, we we talked about this with guys like Rourke and Lucky Whitehead. Even if he does start, can he finish, mm-hmm. right? That's the big question, right? Yeah, okay, maybe they'll be able to, to prop him up and get him out there, but number one, he's not going to be 100%. We know that. And one of the things with Zach Galeros is his ability to extend plays with his leg, break contain, move around, and, and do special things. So if that ankle is hindering him you know to say 80 percent or 70 percent mobility that takes away from his game and like you know he hasn't practiced and he doesn't necessarily need to practice it's not like he doesn't know the system or he's not comfortable with his receivers but um the fact that he's not practicing could be a concern and like i said he could start he probably will start i, I want to know can he finish well i've seen some concern about him not even getting out on the field period like even just to kind of run through some you know uh, simulated handoff drills or just to get a little bit of a rhythm. And people are openly wondering, is it because his foot is so sore that he can't even do that? Is that why they're holding him out? I mean, look, the second half of that, the Western final against the Lions, like the Lions beat him up pretty good. He was not, I mean, he, he looked like he was laboring near the end of that game. So it's logical to suggest that he got pretty banged up in that game. And given the short turnaround from last weekend to this weekend, maybe there's just not enough time to get healthy. Yeah. And you know, the other thing too, when you look at, you know, situations like Jason, you're a former athlete. Mike isn't, so we don't have to worry about that. No, I'm just kidding. Halford's actually the athlete. Yeah. Ruff isn't. But you know what the I, thing I is? A lot of times that, that, um, that adrenaline will get you through a game, and then at the end sure. of the game you're like, oh, my God, like, you know, this is, like, killing me. And the next day, you know, it swells up and stuff. So maybe that was the case with Zach Caleros as well, that, you know, as soon as that game was over, that thing just maybe that ankle may have ballooned up and to the point where you're right. I mean, he hasn't even made an appearance on the field, which is concerning because these are walkthroughs guys. These aren't like, you know, full scale, all of practices for the most part. I mean, they're not even wearing pads. The Argos just walked through the hotel here with the, that we had breakfast in and they're going out to practice. They don't have pads on. They just got like, you know, their, their, their jerseys, their practice jerseys and their helmets. That's it. I mean, it's, so it's not like it's a, a an all out practice. So the fact that he's not even participating in that, again, if you're a bomber fan, you got to be concerned. Would the bombers still be favorites if Kalaros isn't able to play at all? I think the line right now is five and a half. If he's not playing, I'd probably say that line will go down to maybe 
two and a half or two. Mm-hmm. I think it probably should because as three I, points. I mean, as we saw in the Western final, the Bombers can run the ball really well, and yep. they got a great defense. Right? They're not just uh, – Kolaris didn't even play that well in the Western final. No, he didn't. I mean, he could have been picked three times. Sales picked him off in the end zone. And then uh, TJ Lee and Manny Ragumba had drops, right? And TJ's – if TJ hangs on, that was probably a pick six. So, yeah, I, I mean, he seemed off even in that game, right? So, um, if he doesn't play, you're right. They have a great running game in Brady, Brady Oliveira, defense that's spearheaded by guys like Adam Big Hill and Willie Jefferson. And don't go to sleep on Drew Brown either. He's not a bad quarterback. I mean, what really impressed me about him, I can't remember who they were playing earlier this year, but there was a game in which Caleros was taken out of the game by the concussion um, spotter. And Drew Brown had to come in and finish the game and lead the Bombers to a victory. So um, that showed me a little bit of his moxie, a little bit of his mental fortitude and I think you know if they have to go to Drew Brown it's not like all things are lost granted he's not Zach Caleros but they have enough in terms of their defense and in terms of their running game that could compensate for Caleros's loss and still pull off a win uh Mo one final thing before we let you go so um in addition to it being great cup weekend there'll be a lot of focus on it they don't have to go up the CFL it is against a, a ton of marquee NFL games I don't know if anyone's checked out the schedule for this weekend yet but it's not great there is one game that stands out above the rest though that's the six and three Cowboys going to the eight and one Vikings the Vikings just by way of how crazy all their games culminating with that wild one against Buffalo last weekend they're kind of a must watch team now and I'm curious to get your thoughts on it because we haven't talked about them a lot we kind of know the key players. I know they've got a new coaching staff, and they're they're eight and one, so they have to be taken seriously and be a legit conversation starter. What do you make of this Vikings team as they host the Cowboys this weekend? And what is clearly the best game on the slate for the NFL this weekend? Well, I'll be honest, I haven't watched too many of the Vikings games this year. I mean, I'll I'll gear into the NFL a lot more once the CFL season's over. Obviously, with the conflicts that we had, but I'll say this about the Vikings, and you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a huge Vikings fan. And it's like this team, right, they always believe they can win. He goes, you watch them, and, like, they always think they have a shot to win the game no matter what the circumstances. And I think, you know, you saw that happen in the game against Buffalo. So once you get that belief, once you get that feeling, man, it's, it, it makes for special things happening. And right now, like, the Vikings just, they've got it. They've got that feeling. And they've got the reference points already of some wins like that this year where they've won th- some tight games and came back. So it's going to be interesting because, you know, the Vikings are one of those teams that, you know, they have this great, long story tradition of, you know, if you're old enough to remember the Vikings in the 70s, they were the Bills before the Vi- the Bills were in terms yeah. of going to the Super Bowl and losing with guys like Fran Tarkington and Chuck Foreman and Sammy White and Ahmad Rashad and all those guys, right? And some of the great names of all time when it came to defense, guys like Wally Hilgenberg, right? I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, the purple people leaders on yeah. defense. So it's a team that, you know, it, it's always had this history and you always think that they're going to be there in the end, but they've always kind of failed their fans. So who knows, maybe this is a year that they go all the way and, and win a Super Bowl. Moj, great stuff today, bud. Thanks a lot for doing hey, this week. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, right. Ask us anything. Come on, man. I'm sorry, I forgot. Highlight of the week. Okay, right. Colin and Tawasson, Um, we were talking about 80s movies and characters in the previous segment, Moj. I actually think you might have quite enjoyed that segment. But Colin and Tawasson has an Ask Us Anything for you. What is your favorite 80s movie and why? Now, we were mostly talking about comedies, but... It doesn't have to be a comedy. It can be, uh, I don't know, I imagine you loved Amadeus, that one best picture in the 80s, uh, A Room with a View. 
was probably a Moj Moj movie. What's your favorite? You know who I was a big fan of the eighties? Eddie Murphy. Anything with Eddie Murphy in it, like Forty Eight Hours, but especially like the Beverly Hot Beverly Hills Cops trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of had all of it. You know, he had like bad guys like Rutger Hauer. You had Brigitte Nielsen in it. Um, Judge Reinhold. I mean, all those. I, I that to me like. Anything with Eddie Murphy in the 80s was outstanding. Trading places, um, like I said, 48 Hours and then Beverly Hills Cops. So if you're asking me for 80s movies favorites, I'm a big Eddie Murphy fan, that'd be it. Uh, so I, I would like to point out that another uh, friend of our generation, uh, the the dear Ian McCletchy, uh, his favorite movie was Coming to America. That's He thought it deserved Oscar buzz. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys watch the sequel they just made like within the last year or two? I think that's how we got on the conversation back at the old shop. And we're like, and Clutch was like, timeless, holds up over time. And we're like, that's not it. But none of us ended up seeing it. So I, that's something that we have to go do now is go see the well, You know, the thing is, when it comes to movies, I respect your judgment and, you know, some of the things you come up with. But anyone who thinks that Scarface is a bad movie, like, bruh. Like, well, it's not a good movie. It's. No, it's not, you know what I'm not? No, I'm leaving. It's not. It's not quality filmmaking. Moj, I understand. I that think he's, I think he's, he's just hung you, up. He's hurt hurt you deeply with this one. He's going. Hey, Moj, thanks for doing this. If you're still there, no worries, guys. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you See too. You, thanks. Enjoy the great cup. That's Moj, Bob, the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay, we have a little bit of time before we go to break. When we come back, we're going to be doing Ask Us Anythings, What We Learns, and our PlayNow.com locks of the week for the National Football League. So we have a lot to get to, but we want to do a couple more Ask Us Anythings because it is a Friday and we got a few minutes before we go to break. What do we got, Jason? Ask Us Anything from the Humanoids in the Dunbar Lumber text message in Bass. I actually think this is a pretty good one here. Okay. Uh, and it wouldn't be uh, an Ask Us Anything Friday show without some sort of reference to 2011. Unsigned, what do you think the Canucks organization would look like right now if the 2011 team had won the Cup? Okay, so imagine Game 7. Yeah. They don't lose. They win. Okay. There's a Stanley Cup parade. There's a happier riot. Less angry riot. Still a riot, but but it's happier, right? Okay. So- um, I think it would look dramatically different today because uh, – how much longer do you think Mike Gillis would have received as um, the general manager of the Canucks? I think he probably wouldn't have been fired. I don't think Torts would have ever coached for the Vancouver Canucks. Okay, so there's, um, there's a butterfly effect here we have to take. No, but I think that I think the biggest the biggest turning point would have been. Can we all agree that Mike Gillis lost the trust of ownership? Can we all agree with that? Yeah. He lost the trust of ownership. Or at the very least, his leash got a hell of a lot shorter after 2011. Yeah. So I think he would have kept his job, and I think when he pitched the idea of an aggressive rebuild mm-hmm. after um, the torts year, so that was in 2014 or around there, mm-hmm. when he pitched that, or maybe he pitched it earlier, I think ownership would have been more receptive to it. Okay. I'll, I, I'll go a step down the ladder. Uh, Elaine Vigneault. Just to give you an idea, the difference between winning and losing a Stanley Cup, after losing in Game 7, Vigneault and the team (laughs) won the President's Trophy again and had the best regular season record, lost in the first round, then made the playoffs again, got swept. That's how he got fired. 
He didn't get fired by missing the playoffs or going on a gargantuan losing streak. Mm-hmm. He got fired after taking them to the playoffs two more times. And then, uh, gr- Granted, not good playoff performances. But you look at some of the other coaches that have been extended a leash after winning a Stanley Cup. I mean, look at the dark times that happened in Chicago before they finally parted ways with Joel Quenville. Now, that's three Stanley Cups. That's a lot different. But go back and look. Winning that championship really gets you a much longer leash. And Vigneault would have been the coach of the Canucks. Let's say if they won in 2011, probably would have been given a four-year window. Honestly. I think there would have been a, there would have been a statue of him yeah. outside the, the arena. The Tortorella thing never would have happened. Mm-hmm. And from there, I do wonder how much longer guys like Kessler and Bieksa would have, maybe not for better or for worse, I don't know, but just would have hung around. That's what I wonder. Because I think there would have been a sense of yeah. we need to lionize and treat these guys like icons, which means they don't move on. You don't move them up. When the Canucks won the President's Trophy the following year yeah. and they went into the playoffs, did you have the same level of optimism about that team? Because mine wasn't even close. Yeah, it wasn't. My it, expectations, it, it, was, it was different. It just felt, it felt but it was like, it different. Was, it, was like, it was like you watched the teams and you could see the, the scars from yeah. the Stanley Cup final still very fresh. Mm-hmm. So you knew that they were good. They had a terrible division. Yeah, but you that knew that they were the still. They won the, you knew that they were still trophy. good, but you yep. didn't have that same because they there was a sense of invincibility at some point in those playoffs. And for me, it was the swagger had been knocked out of them. That for was sure. a, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. It was after they beat and quite honestly handled San Jose, and then the first two games against Boston, where it just felt like everything was working. You know what I mean? And then over the course of the final five games, the swagger got knocked, punched, kicked, whatever you want out of them, and. They never really recovered, but it's a great thing to ponder, in part because the butterfly effect would have had so many ramifications and so many knock-ons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like mine would have been guys like Vina would have been around longer, Bieksa would have been around longer, Kessler would have been around longer. It just would have been different, and it's tough to think about in that way, shape, or form, right? Uh, I, think, okay. I think the trust of the ownership was the biggest thing on the management. Yep. It fell apart. Uh, Matt in Abbey with an Ask Us Anything, what is the best way to grill? Charcoal? Propane, natural gas, or smoker pellets? Clean, burning propane. Um, I, you know what? I'm not going to lie. Uh, I've worked with a smoker before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you, You've it, worked with it. Well, yeah, because I can't say like I've actually – I don't. it's hard to do. Yeah. I've ruined more. Did you rent one or do you have one? Or? Uh, a family member has one okay. uh, at a, where we usually go to vacation, so mm-hmm. you get to toy around with it and everything. Um, I've screwed up countless cuts of otherwise quality meat right. because I don't I, I, because I don't really know what I'm doing. Right. When you get it right, what what is steam coming out of this? <laughs> all wrong. everything's on fire. It's supposed to be on fire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's plugged in and somehow it's on fire. I don't know what's going on. But uh, if you get it right, it's there. It's kind of unparalleled in terms of flavor. But if you get it wrong, it's just a waste of so much time. That's the that's the other thing too. Mm-hmm. Like if you burn something on the barbecue traditionally, you're like ah, I overcooked it, but it only took. 20 minutes to, to burn this thing right investing 10 to 12 hours <laughs> to have something taste like crap that's a double kick in the groin so um i think the best way to go is a good old-fashioned propane grill all right uh one final segment to go on the week of halford and bruff it's usually a pretty fun segment sometimes goes off the rails it will start with our locks of the week presented by play now sports but text your ask us anythings, your what we learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650 
650. It is the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. Welcome to Kelowna, California. West Coast. Coast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kelowna, baby. Best place in the world right here. <laughs> A Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford and Bruff. Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program. We're smack in the middle of it. Brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. You can do so by visiting them on the internet. The safest place in the world. Campbell-Pound.com today. It is time now, Jason. For our Locks of the Week, presented by Play Now Sports, the official sports betting partner of the Vancouver Canucks. Every game will feel like the big game when you bet with Play Now Sports. Reminder, you must be 19-plus to play. I I've, I heard a rumor mm-hmm. that you're going to be going in a little bit of a different direction this week with your lock. It's not an NFL lock. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to the Canucks game tonight, like and that. I'm going to bet on a prop in the Canucks game. Now... If you've been paying attention, have you noticed that the Canucks often get out to a lead? I have noticed. Have you that. noticed how they do that? Like, and often it's a multi-goal lead. I have also noticed that. Now, forget how the games end. That's not important. But the, the important part is that they've been getting out to the lead. So I'm going to bet. There's all sorts of bets on playnow.com. I'm going to bet that the Canucks, at the end of the first period, okay. will be leading the LA Kings Two to nothing. Now, I'm not going to bet on the result of the game. Well, Who's of- to say what happens if the Canucks were to get out to a 2 nothing lead after the first period? Okay. But if you were to bet $10 and the Canucks are leading mm-hmm. 2 nothing at the end of the first, you could win $100. So why not cash in on this trend of the Canucks taking early multi-goal leads? One, I love it. Two, lock them up. Lock them up, lock them up, lock them up, lock them up. Lock of the week. Out of boy, laddie. Out of boy. I'm going to stick with the good old-fashioned NFL lock of the week. This is all about disrespect right here. Did you know that the 8-1 and one Minnesota Vikings are at home this week after beating the Buffalo Bills and their home dogs? Okay. This makes no sense whatsoever to me. Jump all over this. They're hosting the Dallas Cowboys, America's mm-hmm. team again. Dallas is coming off a loss against Green Bay, who did not look good on Thursday Night Football against the Titans. I get why this line is that it, the way that it is. I understand that the, the Cowboys are a popular chic choice. I understand that Dak is back and people like backing the Cowboys. And not a lot of people believe in the Minnesota Vikings. But this is a slap-in-the-face line right here. I would take Kirk Cousins over Dak. Right now? Yeah. And the game is not being played at night. That's exactly. important for Kirk Cousins-related purposes. 1 p.m. Kirk? My, <laughs> it is a 1 p.m. 125, to be accurate. <laughs> However... Uh, go with it. Take the Vikings at home plus one and a half. That is my lock of the week. Lock of the week. Goalies don't make every save. Players don't score on every shot. Play for fun, not to make money. If you gamble, use your game sense. And a reminder, you must be 19 plus to play. Okay, locks of the week out of the way. My what we learned to kick things off 
We mentioned this in the 6 o'clock hour. I want to mention it again now that more people are awake and coherent and maybe even listening to the show. Um, Halford and Bruff, we're going to be very involved in the World Cup. We're not in Qatar. I think that's fairly obvious. But we're doing a bunch of watch parties from the Hollywood Theater in Kitsilano. We're doing uh, Canada-Belgium on the 23rd, which is next Wednesday. That's already sold out, right? Tickets went like crazy. It's going to be awesome. What we're going to do now is also get in on the England house, which is tickets are going to be available to the public beginning at 10 a.m. this morning. The big one, obviously, Friday, November 25th, 11 a.m., so the perfect time to either not go to work or kick off midway through the day. Start day drinking. Right. Between England and the United States of America. That's going to be at the Hollywood Theater. Tickets are going to go on sale. And here's the thing. By go on sale, I mean they're free. Go get them today. Uh, We will post the links. It's available at Showpass. Go check it out at Daily Hive. Uh, Go check it out at the Hollywood Theater website. You can get tickets now. Sorry, Canada. USA, England, England House. They're going to be giving away a Harry Kane jersey. They're going to be giving away a ton of swag. It'll be a great spot for all the England supporters. Again, Friday, November 25th, it's the Yanks and the Brits from the World Cup, 11 a.m. at the Hollywood Theater. Uh, Go get tickets. Showpass is the website, and there's a bunch of different social media channels where you can find out more information, including ours. I'll post something a little bit later. All right, let's go into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Tyler has an Ask Us Anything. Which of the NHL teams that have rebuilt in the past eight years has made you most jealous? Yeah, (laughs) this is a funny question because before the Canucks played the Buffalo Sabres for a second straight time, we were talking about you know, the, the Buffalo Sabres rebuild and how they're looking after trading away Jack Eichel. And people are like, man, I wish the Canucks were the Sabres, which just goes to show you how far we've fallen because the Sabres have lost a bunch in a row now. Yeah. They're, they're still they're still not there, right? And, and, and there are a bunch of texts coming in just like, do you know how depressing it is to be jealous of the Buffalo Sabres? So I don't think it would be the Buffalo Sabres, probably the New York Rangers. Because I think the New York Rangers, the way they did it, and how quickly, um, it's sh- it's shown fruit. Right? Um, they had a bunch of tradable assets, guys like Ryan McDonough, that they were able to turn into good assets. They also made good decisions on the veterans that they kept, guys like Chris Kreider, mm-hmm. who had an unbelievable last year, uh, year last year, even though he's. He's into his 30s now, isn't he? He must be into his 30s yes. at, at this point. So they, it looks like they made a, a good decision on on keeping him. They've got great goaltending now, still got great goaltending. Um, after Henrik Lundqvist retired, they've still got good goaltending. And they also had the advantage, I think, of some pretty key players wanting to play for the Rangers. Jacob Trubra, right shot defenseman, forced his way to the Rangers. Adam Fox, right shot yeah. defenseman, right? He 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 forced his way at least to an American team to to the Rangers. And man, what an advantage that is. You get two right shot defensemen, perhaps the most valuable commodity. So if I had to pick, it's probably the New York Rangers. Um I've got one that has absolutely nothing to do with sports, but is a very important part of this show's fabric, this show's culture. Ask us anything from Maury the Mill guy. Has Dalla D ever contacted you guys about the use of California? Is he aware? Would you guys want to have him on the show at one point? Yes. When we first started playing it, so California is, I believe, the official anthem of Kelowna now. 
Uh, it was recorded over 10 years ago. Um, and we, I can't, I can't remember how I found it, but I was like, it, it's the perfect embodiment of Kelowna in like a four and a half minute rap video. Anyway, I guess it got back to the, the originator, Dalla D. I can't remember his name is in real time and I apologize. And so he reached out, I think it was the clutch and they had a, a back and forth on text and he thought it was great that the song had somehow been reincarnated a decade later. There's an article that got written earlier this month. From a, a Penticton newspaper, I guess one of the small local communities. It was like a retrospective of it. Yeah. Right? And the headline is, Artist Responsible for California Reflects on Masterpiece. <laughs> like, that's accurate. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, yes, we have reached out to Dalla D. I think he's still very happy that the, the song is still in circulation. No mention of Halborough in that article. I know. We got snubbed because I kind of feel like we might have been the catalyst for getting that show back in to the collective But conference. it's not about us. It's about Dalla D and uh, Kelowna. Tibble saw James. I'm sadly jealous of the New Jersey Devils now. Yeah, that's another good selection if you want to pick one. They also got lucky, right? I, I guess the Rangers did too with the with the draft lottery. There's a certain amount of it luck t- involved need, in all of You need to get lucky. And you all scoffed at the VTEC Vanacek acquisition. Eight straight you wins. You all laughed at me. I don't think we scoffed as much as we were just kind of bored by it. <laughs> and I told you it was um, a good move. So what did you tell us? I said it was a good move. Listening. Yeah. Um, he won his eighth consecutive game yesterday. It now ties him in Devils history. Martin Brodeur did it multiple times. You know the other goalie to do it? Ooh. Chris Terreri. Yes, yes, Chris Terreri. Oh, wow, nice. nice. Long and hairy, Chris Terreri. Very well Doesn't done. know who Eddie LeBeck is, but knows <laughs> who Chris Terreri is. I know is. all of the 70s and 80s backup goalies. No um, problem. The Devils won their 11th in a row last night uh, against the Maple Leafs. They are en fuego, as it was. Um, do you have any flag there? Sorry, I was just looking at Mr. Esquimalt references. Uh, uh, ask us anything. Is this World that. Cup going to have a typical repeat winner? Or is it going to be a first-time winner? No matter how good teams like Belgium are, it's always the usual suspects. God, I hope it's not a Germany-Brazil final. Yeah, I mean, teams like... We barely talked about France going into the World Cup. France could easily win this thing. France has a lot of guys out injured. So no Pogba, no Conte, um, no Nkunku. He just Mm -hmm. got hurt in training. So they're a little bit... The problem is the depth of squad... That's the biggest thing that you're going to see as we get closer and closer to Canada playing is you just realize the depth of squad that players that are playing in top five European leagues and a very prominent role will drop out and then there'll be another one to fill the gap. Like, for example, when we keep alluding to this Belgium match, who's the player that we always talk about? Kevin De Bruyne, Kevin De Bruyne, Kevin De Bruyne, right? You kind of forget that in net for the Belgians is Thibaut Courtois, who was the most influential player on the pitch in Champions League last year in the final. Like, he was the man of the match for Real against Liverpool. Like, if Canada does the job against Belgium and can go toe-to-toe with them, they still have to get the ball past one of the greatest goalies in the world. That's depth of squad. That's what we're talking about here. So, Brazil, France... Even like Germany's not expected to do wonderful things, but they've got to, the, the 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 reason that these countries have won multiple World Cups is because there's this unbelievable pipeline of talent where even high quality guys aren't even on the flight to Qatar. Yeah. How many countries have won the World Cup? Five? Eight. Eight. Okay. Eight. How many teams have only won the World Cup once? Um it's hard. This is hard. Yeah. It's only two. Spain and England. Uruguay right. has won it well, twice. Won it twice yeah. uh, France has won it twice. Yeah. Argentina twice. Uh, Germany and Italy have each won it four times. And then Brazil, Brazil the five. favorite to win this one, 
is five. But they haven't won one in a couple decades, right? No, the sting of 2014 is still hanging in the air for the, the Brazilian squad. Oh. You think about it eight years later, like that's still a seminal I think that was, moment. I think that was one of the most remarkable th- uh, matches in sports that I've ever watched when the Germans just kept on pumping goals past it's Brazil five in nil, Brazil. 5-0 after 35 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. It was, a, it was one of those things where it was like, is this... Is this really happening? Is this this is absolute insanity? What's going on? Uh, unsigned, ask us anything here. So it must be from Gary. You guys can the dogs. You guys can weigh in on this as well because um, we were talking about this a lot overnight. Uh, ask us anything. Do you guys have the Instagrams in case quitter quitter Twitter? It is quitter at this point. Technically, Twitter goes the way of the dodo. So I guess everyone is fully cognizant of what's going on here, right? I'm sure, unless you've been living under a rock, or maybe you're not on Twitter. You know that, uh, according to many industry insiders and in their fake news media, uh, Twitter's hanging on by a thread, and they're anticipating that it will either crash and burn or Elon Musk will run it into the ground in the not-too-distant future. Some- I have noticed that it's like it's having trouble loading, and yeah. when, when I have searches, Painfully it takes, slow. takes a while to sure. search things. You know, I think this probably speaks to, one, maybe how well-oiled of a technical machine it was prior in the amount of person power that was needed to keep it running because we're seeing both those things fall by the wayside but um i do not have like i have instagram but it's like a private account that i'm not in any way shape or form going to share publicly i don't have any pictures posted i don't like pictures i don't really like instagram yeah, I, I don't I'm use with you there too. i don't I use, never take pictures yeah. i don't use instagram at all for news it's all it's all like funny memes, golf stuff, and cats. Well, I'm hot, cats, so I take a yeah. ton of pictures. And uh... <laughs> yeah, I take a lot of selfies at the gym. Yeah. Uh, look at this focaccia I made. So follow I, me. Uh, I, yeah. So legs day to day. Check out these quads. Here, here's the thing: if if Twitter does die, eventually, uh, I you know there'll probably be some sort of some. You can find Halford and Bruff on Truth Social. <laughs> As we all go to parlor. Guys, that'll, listen, in all seriousness, I don't, first of all, I don't think it's going to collapse. But second of all, um, if it does, if I'm wrong, which happens once a a decade, um, it's going to dramatically affect the way we follow sports and especially for us, the way we do our jobs. I know there are people that listen to this station that don't have Twitter. They're not actively involved in it. And congratulations, you've made the right choice. But, um, it is where sports happens News in terms happens, of social really. media. Yeah. It's not like Instagram. It's not TikTok. It's where yeah. news is disseminated the most. Yeah. All the journalists that deliver, like in any sport, and I'm just talking about hockey here, it's on Twitter. Well, just world news. Like imagine like the Ukraine war, All the every yeah. major news story around the world, as much as we like to poo-poo on Twitter, and rightfully so, it is it is so interconnected with the way the world operates now that to imagine it suddenly not existing anymore would be shocking. You made a good uh, Simpsons reference the other day when uh, you talked about the time that Lionel Hutz was like, "Can you imagine a world yes. without lawyers?" And it was like everyone was so happy and people were holding hands. Like in some ways, I kind of think, "Can you imagine a world without Twitter?" Yeah, and we all just kind of like rub our eyes and step outside and look at the world and we're like we should just go for walks and talk yeah. to each other like normal human beings with you know uh pleasantries and and, and you don't tell someone to fo right to their face yeah. you know we like, go to websites for news again remember we had to do that yeah i mean i don't know about you guys but i've reactivated my myspace icq and msn messenger <laughs> accounts 
<laughs> in preparation. Just in case. Just, just in, in case. case. It's coming back. <laughs> Gmail chat. Dust Somebody that tried to off. explain Mastodon to me, and I just do not get it, but maybe that's going to be a thing. I'm not comfortable going on something called Mastodon. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm going to find. Sounds too like. Yeah. Is this the dark web? Did I just find it? Oh, that's not good. Okay. Here's one from Bryce the Degenerate. I think these are important Ask Us Anythings because I I will acknowledge we're probably talking to a lot of people that either dis- actively dislike soccer, uh, don't care, but are kind of interested in Canada, and then some that genuinely want to know a little bit more. So uh, Bryce the Degenerate asks, what would be the Canadian hockey equivalent of Canada beating Belgium in soccer next week? Would it be Team Canada losing to Kazakhstan? Um I think it would be like, remember when Belarus beat Sweden at the 2002 Olympics? Yeah. That's kind of what it would be. Tommy Salogol off his head. Yes, exactly. Because Mm. Belgium, while highly ranked in FIFA, they're not Germany, Brazil. I know Italy's not in the World Cup, but they're not those teams because they never won a World Cup. So they would, and that's where Sweden was a global power in hockey, but they weren't the creme de la creme. And. Uh, Belarus stunning them would probably be a, a, a good equivalent. Remember the scare that Latvia threw into Canada at the Olympics? You remember that one? Were yeah, you there for, for that? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was actually, it was funny because there were two arena, two arenas there, uh, and they were both right next to each other. Yeah. So I was covering for NBC. So I was watching the Americans in one arena and they were taking care of whoever they were playing. I can't even remember. Because it was the round robin, and that's where the Americans show up, at yeah. the round robin. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm looking at this score, Canada-Latvia. I'm like, i got to run over to check out this because the Americans are – this is no story here. They're just winning as expected. If Canada loses to Latvia, this is going to be incredible. Was it Shea Weber that scored a big goal then? Yeah, he ripped it through the net, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's like, enough of this. Yeah. Um, I- who was the goalie for the Latvians in that one? Do you remember? He played uh, for Tampa Le- Bay. Gudlevskis. Yeah. Gudlevskis. Yeah. So that, that, the only reason I bring that up is because the scare that Latvia threw into Canada is, I think, and, oh, I, I really want Canada to get a, a result against Belgium, but I think that is going to end up being what happens. That Canada throws a real scare into the Belgians, but the Belgians eventually find a way to win. Um, I don't know how many people remember the last World Cup, but that's what happened when Belgium played Japan. Mm-hmm. Is the the Japanese went toe to toe and were trading chances and threw a real scare into them, and then Belgium won it at the death. There's always some big upsets at the World Cup. There is. I'm not sure that this is going to be the one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think based on what I saw from the Japan friendly yesterday, is all the things that you wanted to see from Canada. Meaning it, they look dangerous. Their individual offensive attacking players looked attacking or look dangerous in attack all those things tick of the box and i know i talked to galindo and he said the japanese team was probably missing about five or six starters yeah but they the guys that played were either starters or key guys off the bench um for canada to to get a result like even at half the squad without davies and eustachio that's really positive as well so i like the vibe the vibe check for canada going into belgium is good but belgium's really good yeah, really, really good. They're just they have so much quality. Yes, and that's going to be a big issue, especially what you saw with the goal that the Japanese scored in the ninth minute. Any little mistake could end up in the back of the net. Ben on Burke Mountain, ask us anything. Which former Canuck that has left the team in the last five years do you most want back? So I went and thought about this one, and I thought, I know the answer right away. Maybe Chris Tanner. No, but you Chris know Tanev. what? I I came up with it, and the the answer is. 
Uh, Thatcher Demko from last season. Yeah, I'd like him back. Or <laughs> yeah, that's true. Bubble Demko. More bubble Demko. We can yeah. do a quick swap of Markstrom again. Just maybe you can balance right. it out. Markstrom's broken right now, though. That's a problem. Yeah, so. If it's current form, I think you know what's so frustrating about the Chris Tanev situation is that is that they ne- so my frustration wasn't um, letting him walk away. Mm. Right at the time, I uh, Chris Tanev's game didn't look as good as it did. I, th- I don't think there were many people that were pounding the table, going, "You got to re-sign Chris Tanev." What they were pounding the table was for was. In the like three or three years before he became an unrestricted free agent, trade him, get something for him, mm-hmm. because people saw that this Canucks team needed more. They needed more prospects. They needed uh, more draft picks, and they just never did it. Messed with the team's chemistry too. I mean, that bubble team had such incredible chemistry, and you saw it after their yeah. wins, letting all those guys go, mm-hmm. and you would look at the the group we have today in comparison, and it's stark. But I think, again, to be fair to uh, the management group then, there weren't many people saying, bring back Chris Tanev, no. like pay him, right? Yeah. And I think when Calgary paid him, oh, there were a t- lot of people that were like, man, that contract's going to age ba- badly. It, and t- all of a sudden, he just got in a better situation and started playing better. It's a totally revisionist take. No one at the time thought no. that Tanev would be as good. as. I was listening to uh, one of the Calgary play-by-play guys uh, talking about who's the most important player for the Flames. Yeah. He said Chris Tanev. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they – he's like, he holds everything together. Well, he, when, when, is he still hurt? Yeah, I is, believe he is. Yeah, I don't I mean, think he's coming they don't, back yet. They don't, they don't play that well without him, and it, it's, it's both a personnel thing. It bumps people up where they shouldn't be playing, and, but it also um, – but also he's a very popular player in the room. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, a he's a guy that – he's a guy that people really respect – I've always said, like, if you were to ask me who's the toughest player in Canucks history, people would be like, oh, is it Gino or is it, you know, like, Brashear? I'm like, I think it's Chris Tanev. Like, the guy was willing to, like, punches are one thing, but that guy was willing to step in in front of pucks that were going 100 miles an hour. And then, like, he did it constantly. Uh, Actually, I do, I I think he is back. I'm sorry. Austin and Langley saying, I take back Louis so the OEL deal doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Sacrifice Louis just to just That's three that trades right happening. there. That yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. Louis, Beagle, and Rue. Um, Tanev was out the first two weeks of November. He's back. He was minus two last night against Tampa Bay. So that's not good. Um, okay. Ask us anything's here. Ooh, Chaitin and Surrey. This is a good one. If you could create a 30 for 30 film on any NHL moment or event or player that hasn't been done before, what would you do? I, I got the same answer every time. It'd be the Bertuzzi Moore incident because apparently I've talked to people that have tried to do it Yeah. Uh, in like audio podcast form. And I know some people that have tried to go down the <laughs> running up against some NDAs. It's the white whale of sports documentaries. Like you just can't get it. It's impossible. You can't because there's so many, you know, the, the thing is, is you need. I mean, who do you absolutely need to talk? You need more, which is apparently impossible. Bertuzzi. Crow. Crow. Burke. Yeah. Oh, um, the coach of the abs at the time. Why, why am I blanking on this? Who was the coach of the abs at the time? Talkett was on the bench for it. I know that. Why can't I remember who the coach of the abs was at the time? Anyway, you'd need everyone. Uh, you need Brad May. Mm. You'd need Na- Marcus Nasland. The list goes on and on and on. And to be honest, it's very tough sometimes, especially in this new documentary world that we live in where there's such a rush to get the documentaries out. Like I watched uh, a couple the other day, and um, 
they were missing like the key fundamental protagonist of the documentary. Tony Granado. Tony Granado, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it basically said like, oh, so and so refused to be filmed for the documentary. I'm like, but the documentary is about him. Like, you mm-hmm. need to have him on camera to do the thirty for thirty on the Bertuzzi Moore incident properly. You'd need all this cast of characters to talk, and I doubt you'd be able to get half of them to talk. Did we figure out who the coach was? Tony Granado. Oh, Tony. Tony Granado was yeah. the coach. That's what A Dog just He's said. Googled really? It. He was said he was Abs coach from 2002 to 2004. Oh, and it, this took place in 2004. Uh, and and A Dog's never been wrong. No. Ever. So. Uh, okay, so the weekend ahead of us, obviously, the Canucks have a game against the LA Kings tonight. Uh, then they don't play at all on the weekend. No, ga- uh, no games on Saturday or Sunday, but they do welcome Vegas to Rogers Arena on Monday. The Grey Cup is on Sunday. Also, the kickoff to the World Cup, 8 a.m., Qatar, Ecuador. These countries do not like each other, <laughs> okay? And I don't want to go to a limb and say Qatar might win, but Qatar very well may win that game. I'll let you search uh, whatever social media platform you like to figure out that one. And when we get back on Monday, I'm sorry if we're going to be a little distracted for the first hour of the show, but England will be in action against Iran. Uh, 5 a.m. start our time for that game, so the second half will be on during the start of our show. So come on, England. Come on, Canada. Canada is playing in the World Cup next week, believe it or not. And don't forget, you get your tickets to the watch parties. Visit the Hollywood Theater website to get tickets to England House and the Whitecaps House for the Canada Games. We got to go. We're out of here for the weekend, but we'll be back on Monday. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.